Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And this week we're going to talk about veterans, because Wednesday was Veterans Day. Um, so we're going to talk about our favorite, or most memorable, or whatever, just the ones we can come up with a list of veterans that are in comic books. Uh, Jared, why don't you start off the night? All right. I'm going to start off with Sarah. Um, it's not necessarily an American veteran, but she was a soldier for the Soviet Army in World War II. Uh, this, it is the title character. The title is Sarah. It was written by Garth Anus, and uh, she was a sniper in a in an all-female sniper unit in World War II, basically attacking uh, German supply lines and everything. Um, there was, uh, it's very small scale, very limited. It's not like a large scale battle or anything like that. <clears throat> One of the, uh, things I really liked about it was towards the end, she, they capture a German supply officer and she ties him up to a tree with a sniper rifle to bait a different sniper. So once that sniper fired on the the dummy, you know, the target. the target, she was able to line him up and kill him. So I thought that was really good. It had a lot of tactics in it. Uh, the art was fantastic. So it was done by TKO Sto- Studios, which they're a newer, couple years old now, but still a newer publisher. But this was a really good story. Yeah, and Garth Ennis has done a bunch of different war stories and stuff. Yeah. Like he actually did the book, the series called War Stories, yeah. too. So like he's... Definitely has enough reputation of doing that sort of thing with the tactics and all that. And yeah, I know TKO, I want to say we brought it in the store for the first time like two years ago. Yeah, I think this was one of their launch titles. There was two launch titles from them, and I can't remember what the other one was. was But this one, they released like the trade and the single issue at the same time. So whichever preferred method of collecting you could do. But this was a really good story. Um, There's been hints at a sequel to it here and there, but nothing ever concrete that i've seen yeah i definitely i haven't read it yet but i'm it's one of those things that's always been on my list like oh eventually i'll get to it eventually i'll get to it yeah but there's always more that comes up uh my first one on my list will be also world war ii ish uh nick fury from marvel uh his first appearance was sergeant fury and his howling commandos that was in may of 1963 i know he's been around in tv shows movies and a little bit of everything uh, I do like that the fact that they did a ultimate version of him also, where in the main comic book universe, Nick Fury is white, he's just a white dude, but in the ultimate universe, he's black, and at one point in the ultimate universe, like, oh, we're making movies of all of our superheroes and stuff, and there, some of the people are complaining, oh, who got cast as who? Like, oh, who casted, who was playing you? And he's like, I'm okay with it, I got Sam Jackson. And then they actually started redrawing him like Sam Jackson. And then, of course, the movies. Now we have Sam Jackson playing Nick Fury and everything. And it's really cool. So um, there's one quote that Stan Lee said when he came up with the character. That he basically was watching The Man from U.N.C.L.E. He's like, oh, I wanted, we should do that in comic books. And that's how they changed Nick Fury also to be like a super spy based off the TV show. The man from Uncle. So it was pretty cool to see his transition with that, and with over the course of the years of being uh, just an agent of Shield versus in charge of Shield, and now Shield's no more, and now he's no more, but he's might be coming back. It's he's weird. He's watching you. Well, he yeah, he was the unseen, but recently Watu separated from him or something, and looks like he might be back to being himself. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But yeah, Nick Fury's a pretty cool dude, and well, yes. 
cool depending on if you like secrets and wheels within wheels and super secrets and everything. Laura, what is on your list? I wanted to start with Kurt Vonnegut and kind of take a, a time warp because we talked last week about how we will have talked about this in the future or should we have <laughs> had talked about it in the past. Um, he recent, well, I guess, um, let's see. Yeah. Ryan North and Albert Montes actually recently re-released Kurt Vonnegut's novel of Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, Children's Crusade. They redid it as a graphic novel. And this has only been out for like a month or so, not very long at all. But you can still order it, and it's a very good retelling of the novel that Kurt Vonnegut made, which is a how Kurt Vonnegut kind of deals with his experiences in the war as a prisoner of war during also World War II, you guys mentioned. Both your stories happened then. And he, he takes the character of Billy Pilgrim and puts him through the firebombing of Dresden, and the other reason this is time travel is the the kind of conveyance. The way he tells the story is that Billy Pilgrim is unstuck in time. And I think it's also a sort of metaphor for how a lot of the veterans deal with the stress and the trauma of going through something so unlike reality that they already know. So he feels like, oh, sometimes I'm right back in that railroad car. Sometimes I'm right back in the trenches. Sometimes I'm here present with my family. Sometimes I'm a baby. Sometimes I'm uh, an optometrist, I think was the other job that he had, or I forget if he was a used car salesman too, but like it goes through a lot of, a lot of story. And it was a very, from what I remember, I mean, it's been a while since I read Slaughterhouse-Five, the novel, but it hit all the high points that I recalled, so good job there. And it was way better than the movie. Cannot recommend the Slaughterhouse-Five movie. But yeah, this was a great, great way to remember the story and read it quicker than reading a whole novel. So, highly recommend the travel through time of Slaughterhouse-Five. All right. Jared, what's next up on your list? I'm going to do this one rather quickly because I don't know a whole lot about it, the character, but I always like his appearances in everyone else's comics. It's a DC Comics, The Unknown Soldier. Um, it's a character that is named after the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. Um, he first appeared in Our Army at War, and um, there's been hints that there's been more than one unknown soldier throughout the DC Universe. Um, it's a character that looks like Hush. It's a he's got face wrap, uh, face wrappings and things like that. So uh, one of the times that really made me more interested in him was a very small scene in Blackest Night, where him and Maxwell Lord attacked World War uh, attacked Wonder Woman at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and one of his quotes in there was, "I have a name." You know, I thought that was pretty neat. That you know, the zombie version of the uh, unknown soldier came back and said, I have a name, but you know, they're never going to say it, obviously. Um, they relaunched the series, uh, under the Vertigo publisher, I think in the late nineties, maybe something like that. that. I'm not sure. Right. And, uh, he recently appeared in the new 52's, uh, GI combat, but that book was canceled not long after it launched. It was a pretty short one. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you anything about it because I didn't read that one. But that was a character that I I wouldn't mind knowing more about. I thought it was a pretty interesting character. As long as they don't reveal his identity. Right. Just because, yeah. like, I mean, there's a lot of characters like, oh, this is 
their backstory that we didn't right. ever knew who it was. That one, like, because it is the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, they better, like, never ever yeah. give him an actual name I mean, or anything. Yeah. That character's more of a uh, paying honor to the Unknown Soldier than it is an actual character. Yeah. Uh, next up on my list will be Punisher, also known as Frank Castle. Uh, he first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man, number 129. That was back in 1974. He was a Marine. Things don't go well post-military life for him. Where he's like, oh, he used, I believe he was a sniper also, since you mentioned Sarah. He was like a sniper that was told to, like, they gave him the missions that were impossible. Like, oh, we don't like you because you're kind of a jerk, so we'll give you these impossible missions that you're probably going to die doing. But he never did because he was too good at it. And then he became the Punisher Frank Castle that we all know and fear. Now, in the current comics, what is his origin? Because it's changed several times, hasn't it? So I was trying to figure out any sort of background on that, and I couldn't find anything other than this. It was somewhat of a like a Vietnam analog that they didn't... It was some country, I forget what it was. But it definitely seemed like it was supposed to be Vietnam. But I could have swore originally he was a World War II veteran, and then a Korean veteran, and then uh, Vietnam, so it feels like they just kept changing it as time got further and further away from those, just to explain why he's so young. It's like, if he was originally in World War II with Nick Fury, Nick Fury has, like, the infinity serum that keeps him young, versus why does Punisher not age and everything? So, near as I can tell, it's some made-up recent, quote, war. His rage keeps him young. Yeah, and they definitely, like, done different things with oh this seems a lot like desert storm and stuff like that like this seems that was where he was but they don't actually give don't full credit that. to that just because it's hard to keep certain characters young what's like oh they were influenced by this event well let's do the math that event was let's see uh that math doesn't add up right so yeah i long story short is i don't know which war specifically it was supposed to be but meh doesn't really matter no it doesn't really matter he was a sniper. He killed people. He survived. And now he kills more people. Um, so, yeah. And I know one thing that's been interesting was how much publicity that the Punisher symbol has gotten in the last year or so with the whole Blue Lives Matter and everything. And how the creators were like, um, no, you're kind of missing the point. Like, we don't want cops to worship him because he's a figment. He's a. a vigilante yeah he's a vigilante that shows like no the system does not work so why are you having the cops saying the system does not work so we're going to go be vigilantes <laughs> like that's not that's not what we want to do here so it is kind of cool and see like oh he's not he's not the hero and he knows that he's not a hero i know several t- issues people are like oh we'll be like you like no this is my path i know that's wrong to a certain degree but i'm willing to take upon the evil to do it so that way other people don't and he ha- still has a code, though. Like, he won't uh, attack the heroes. Right, he only kills bad guys. Yep, I know one of my favorite scenes is in Civil War where uh, they're all kind of at a superhero meeting, and he walks in and kills the villains there. It was the underground, and yeah, yeah. Captain America starting to recruit some villains. the crap out of him. Yep. What, they're bad guys? Yeah. What do you expect from me? Yeah, and Cap starts beating the crap out of Punisher. And right. He- He's like, fight back, and Punisher's like, not against you. Yeah, because at that <laughs> so point, that Iron good. Man was using villains like, oh, they were reformed, and they registered so that way. They were working with him, and then... <laughs> Punisher just comes in and kills him. He's like, all. no, bad guys are bad, no matter what. <laughs> I don't care if they're going to benefit us or not. They're, bad guys are bad. But then, like, let's see, last five years ago was Secret Empire, 
where he was actually working for Hydra also, because at that point, Captain America was the Hail Hydra cap. He's like, well, I mean, if he's cool with this, then that's like, it's hard. It's really hard to go against that. And then it did not work out for Hydra afterwards. Like, oh, you basically brainwashed me to betray my whole country. Just like how you convinced everyone else to. Um, You're going to pay for that. Specifically, he started targeting Baron Zemo, started hunting him down and. It didn't end well for Zemo. I, I wouldn't think so. I think that's the story arc where we end up getting War Machine Punisher. So mm. Punisher and a War Machine, which makes sense. Let's be honest. If yeah. anybody other than Brody's going to be War Machine, it should be Punisher, since that's what his shtick is, is just killing yep. people. All right, Laura, what's next up for you? Um, I thought that I would bring up Agent Venom, which I think is kind of funny when you're like, bad guys are always bad, but are alien symbiotes always bad? Um, part of... The backstory that I googled a little bit, so bear with me, people, that I could be wrong. Um, but Flash, originally, he signed up to join the draft way back when. Back oh. when Peter was in high school, weren't they? Like their senior uh, year? I think they were in college were by in college then. then? Okay. Um, I should have, I meant to look that up, sorry. Um, I show it as uh, around Amazing Spider-Man 108 to 109, which I do not have. I have 107, and I was like, oh, I missed it by that much. <laughs> But then, um, I think that that was, way back then, it was intended to be World War II was what he was in. But, you know, like we said, time in comics is wibbly-wobbly, so it might not really translate to that anymore. But the more recent thing I found was he was in the Iraq War, and that's when he came back and during, or sorry, while he was there, he was injured in combat and lost, had both of his legs amputated. And that was part of why, when he comes back to the United States, the government approaches him and they're like, oh, we've got this secret program. We want to bond you with the Venom symbiote and see if you can control it. And there's a whole bunch of, like, drug therapy and things. And in using and bonding with the symbiote, then Flash gets his legs back. Or, like, the symbiote recreates his legs, basically. And so it's a an interesting trade-off he's like i made a deal with the devil so that i could walk again was was that good or bad and i actually i regret that i didn't read agent venom because it sounds like it was actually a really good series but at the time i was like no venom's eddie brock and this isn't right and blah 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 and i was too hung up on my own stuff but later i did read um agent venom space knight and that was a good series it was kind of funky because it was after he'd dealt time with the Guardians of the Galaxy and he kind of branched off from their mission and went off on some other side quests of his own. And it was in space, so things got crazy. But it was interesting to me when he had, like, conversations with the symbiote and they would kind of discuss how the symbiote needed to be cleansed occasionally and was, like, kind of reverting back to being a bad guy, but they... They really talked about how much they could work together and how much kind of alone time they needed to not become merged and influence each other in bad ways. And I I really wish I could find that series. I know I have it upstairs, but I, I tried to find it to reference a few issues tonight, and I don't know which box it's in. I've got so, a lot of boxes. So I actually did read the Agent Venom stuff, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, like you mentioned, where it was like, he had, like, limitations of how long he can be bonded with it. He actually had, like, a timer on his watch that would, like, tase it off of him almost, like, if he reached that limit, so he wouldn't get permanently bonded to him. 
And yeah, I know towards the end, like they actually became once they went to Planet of the Symbiotes, I believe, that actually cured all the bad juju that was in the symbiote. Like, no, we're actually supposed to be like a cool race, but we're a hive mind so that we can like help each other. He was so far away on Earth that he could never get that cleanse, and that's why he went evil. And then, yeah, he actually became buddy, like, started calling it partner. Like, they'd actually conversate back and forth. And I know, I'm pretty sure the current Venom series with Eddie Brock is doing, like, he actually talking with the symbiote back and forth, like, yeah actual conversation yeah a lot more mm-hmm. so that's definitely a newer thing like oh well the symbiote's not just this mindless blob that ter- makes you go crazy and turns you into venom but it actually has its own personality its own responsibilities and everything and like the current null stuff like he knows that the null is bad and like we don't want this so he's trying to do whatever he can to stop all that and try to be good overall yeah that kind of confuses me with the whole hive mind the clean tar actually good thing because I thought Null was influencing the Clintar to be bad again, like bringing them along. But I'm, I'm hazy on I, yeah. what all's happening with the it's the a mess. black. Wait, what is it? The black. Black, it's not black, black knight. knight or no? Oh, is it? Yeah, Black King. Black, black King. King is okay, I was going to say it can't be Knight because that's DC. But yeah, they've oh. been teasing Null for the last seven years or so with uh, Carnage really? with Carnage stuff. They did like Carnage USA and a whole bunch of stuff like that where. Carnage was going, like, trying to bring back the Null God and was trying to get the Codex off of everybody. And I didn't think that had been seven years, but I might have lost track It's been at least, at least five, I'd say. It's okay. been a while. I could go for that. I, I I'll have to know. go back and reread the Carnage USA Cause stuff. Because after uh, Hyperion killed Carnage in, I want to say Dark Reign is when that happened, or right around then. And that's when Cletus Cassidy got ripped in half. He's dead. And then, oh, he's back because the symbiote was inside of him, kept him alive or somehow or something. But, yeah. like, since then, they've been slowly teasing it, like, a little bit here and there. So they've been building it for a long time. No, it's not. You wouldn't know because you're not reading Venom, but they haven't really been teasing it so much. Like, it's straight out in Venom. So Right, yeah. <laughs> you would know more about Null coming. Yeah, like said, were they were teasing Venom. it for a long time, and then now they're like, all right, done teasing. Full on. Here we go. So, yeah, I'll be really curious to see where that goes. And if they can bring back Agent Venom, then maybe they'll find his codex and all that. Yeah, because he's dead for now until Marvel decides he's not dead. Because last I knew, he di- or Flash died when he was anti-Venom. And, like, he cured Spider Island oh, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I crushed and, like, he gave his last bit of anti-Venom to Peter Parker slash Spider-Man so he could actually save the day and everything. Spoilers. Yeah, it's been out for well over a year at this point, so. Yeah, I do wonder, because um, in the most recent issue of Amazing Spider-Man 52, in the characters that are brought back by Kindred, Flash is one of them. So I'm wondering if that's a reminder to us that he's still, his, dead. He's still around and we can still do more with the storyline. Because no one's really dead. His body's still around. Yeah. All right, Jared, what's next up on your list? Okay, my final pick was Bucky. Psychic to Captain America back in World War II. James Buchanan Barnes. We had a lot of World War II stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wonder what the inspiration was for comics. Let's see. When the comic yeah. books start, started getting popular, it was, hmm, the 40s, what the are the 30s. odds? What are the odds? <laughs> Maybe we should talk about Captain America. <laughs> Maybe. Sure, we'll see. But uh, Bucky was uh, the sidekick and best friend to Steve Rogers, and him and Cap uh, teamed throughout World War II fighting the Nazis. Um, they uh, teamed up with multiple 
different organizations also, like the Invaders, and Bucky was part of the Young Allies for a little while. Um, Bucky served as the advanced scout for Cap whenever they'd have their missions. And uh, towards the end of the war, Cap and Bucky try to stop Baron Zemo from destroying, or by destroying an experimental drone plane. Um, Zemo launches the plane with explosives on it, uh, intending for a target that I don't know what it was. I think it was somewhere in the United States. Yeah, it could be. I don't, I don't remember. Because I think they were fighting mostly in the European theater, so that makes sense for the U.S. Right. But, uh, Bucky and Cap, uh, get on the plane and they're unable to defuse it, but it blows in midair before it reaches their target and plunges Bucky and Cap into the water. And this may be one different origin and they've what's tweaked it right so now. many yeah, times they've tweaked it but that's the the one i most remember basically how both winter soldier and captain america got frozen right. in time right and uh bucky is found not too long after he's frozen i don't remember what the time frame is shortly after yeah shortly <laughs> after and he's missing an arm and the soviets basically save his life uh they give him a cybernetic arm and they brainwash him because he's got his he had uh, brain damage and, and amnesia. So they've been using him as an assassin over the past forty years by cryogenically freezing him after a mission, and then waking him up to do a mission and putting him back to sleep. It uh, comes to a head, and I'm not going to give spoilers out this because if you haven't read it or I guess even seen Winter Soldier the movie. Or, you know, the I mean, America. it's your own fault at yeah, this point. The, but there's the, been yeah. that was one of. My favorite comic stories of all time was Captain America the Winter Soldier. It was so well done. Brubaker knocked it out of the park with that. And it's basically where Cap realizes or finds out that Bucky's alive and goes to try to save him slash fight him and stuff like that. Uh, Knock some sense into him. Yes. Going back to a few weeks ago, we were talking about death. There used to be a saying in comic books, only Bucky stays dead. Well, no. (laughs) They, They fixed that one. That was in... This around the point of the Civil War, which was 2005, 2006 yep, time. 2005. It was before Civil War. It was right before when he came back. But then it was the end of Civil War when he became the new Bucky yes. Cap. Because, yep. spoilers, Steve died. Yep, Steve died. Um, like, and they, Steve died before they actually like reunited and became truly friends. Like right. They brought back memories, but he was off, he was out on the lam still. Right, and then once Bucky became Cap, that was an exceptional Captain America run. That was one of the best Captain America runs that was there. Um, he, but since Steve is back alive, um, he is currently going by the Winter Soldier again. So. Yeah. Uh, and I do want to, I guess, honorable mention, or piggyback off of uh, Bucky being, yes, Captain America also is definitely a great veteran of the United States and just war in general and all sorts of battles. So, uh, and my final pick will be another veteran of World Wars. However, this one's Canadian. Uh, it is Wolverine, aka Logan, aka James Howlett, aka who knows what, all sorts of things. Um, he first appeared. Okay, so t- side tangent of how first appearances <laughs> work. He had a first glimpse in Hulk 180 back in '74, but it's credited as first appearance in Hulk 181. What is the difference between a, f- a glimpse and appearance? I don't Colors? know what the glimpse was. The glimpse was they showed, like, in the final page, it had him standing, like, all Wolverine, and that was it. That was, he's the final page, final panel. Then the next issue, 181, was actually having him in the storyline. Now, I see that's garbage saying that's the first glimpse. Like, no, he was, at, like, if you had just an arm or just a boot, that'd be one thing. But you see the full body. That is the first appearance. Now, he's not in the story, really, 
but that's still some great A garbage. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, on first appearances, uh, the Damian Wayne is kind of like that too. In the right. previous issue of what he actually debuted, they showed his silhouette from back, which I would kind of agree with on that because you don't really see. Yeah, who you it don't is. really see who it is. They don't tell you. In the next issue, you find out who that silhouette is. Then sure, but you it, didn't see who yeah, it was. That's a if they actually show the Wolverine completely, I would right. say that's his first appearance. Right, and they did the same thing with. Uh, Doomsday, I believe, with the death of Superman. They had a first glimpse and then a first appearance. They did the same thing with X-Men with Apocalypse. So, yeah. First glimpse and first appearance. It's like, But you see the whole thing. Right. That is, sure, he's not saying or doing anything, but there they are. That's an appearance. But Semantics. Well, yeah. It, just, it annoys me. Anyway, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that tangent. Um, Wolverine, like I said, first appearance in Hulk 180. Um he fought in World War One and World War Two, and pretty much every war since then, too. Uh, mostly for the Canadians, though, because he was born and raised in Canada, and that's where he was. Then he lost his memory, and bad stuff happened, but he was also a parachute, or was it paratrooper, uh, for Canada in World War Two during D-Day. So, he wasn't at the front line, which you would think, like, hey... Of all the people that have front line, that's the guy that can't die. But whatever, behind the lines, still sneaky and doing his thing. And it was pretty cool to have him do that. And then it is cool to see when they, oh, they pop him in here and there and everywhere. Like, yeah, he's everywhere. It doesn't matter. And just the major events. So, uh, yeah, Wolverine is my final big veteran. I figured he's been in the most wars. So he's pretty good one for that pick, I think. Yeah, I thought that he had more history... Before World War One, even. I mean, but, yeah, he was born before World War One, but that was the first real war he was in. Okay, so. I might be mixing it up with movie stuff too. I was just saying, the movies. I think he was before that in the Civil War, Revolutionary yeah, War. Yeah, that something too. Like I thought that. he did stuff in Japan too, well, or was that the World J- War Two? The Japan was... stuff was between World War One and World War Two. I okay. believe. Okay. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was like ancient. Near as my Google skills could show. Okay. Um, yeah, I know they showed Civil War stuff, and Isn't but I don't know how a, much recon that is. And didn't they do a in the comic uh, Wolverine Origins? Didn't they do a montage or several uh, issue series where it showed that's where they first uh, portrayed his bone claws rather than adamantium? The, yeah, I mean, he didn't, yeah, because he didn't get adamantium until after World War Two, right? So all that would have been bone claw. Right, so I'm thinking there was something in there. It, I don't, I can't remember if actually ever reading it. I know I read it, but it's been a long time. Yeah, and yeah, it would. I think he was in the because it was like it showed when he was growing up. It was like the frontier world, right? Style. I mean, he's still in Canada, but which I mean, if he was in Canada that whole time, then he would have been in the Civil War. Yeah, but who knows? No, I'm just that time period. Right. Is yeah, what I'm saying, not in the Civil War. Right. Well, I don't know, but I know for sure World War One and World War Two, and then theoretically everything after that, probably one way or the other. All right, any other famous veterans we want to talk about real quick? I know that's the end of my list. <laughs> yeah, it's Sorry. all I've got on my list for today. All right, so with that, we'll move to our comic books of the week. Week of November eleventh, it was Lord's birthday on Wednesday. Woo! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Don't say that. Yeah. It's already. I could edit. I could edit that out, but meh. 
So, who wants to go first for the picks of the week? Let's do the honorable mentions and then the actual picks. Jared, you seem ready enough, and you went first last time, so you can go first this time, too. Well, I'm not 100% ready because I'm, I've am i got a toss-up between which one I want to be my pick and which one I want to be my honorable mention because they were both really good. All right. This side will be heads. This side will be tails. Okay. Tails, heads. And my honorable mention is Vane, number two. Uh, the first issue what came out, and it was about uh, vampires around World War II time, the 1930s, and... They go to the government to sign up to fight the Nazis. So you've got a bunch of vampires fighting Nazis. And that's it and works out pretty well for the vampires. It sure does. Now the one thing about this issue is it there's time jumps. But uh what it starts out with uh somebody from I don't remember the person's name or who it was, it's just a government official. And he's basically saying you're off the books, there's no record of you, um, you're basically basically going to go in to cause havoc. And he knows that they're vampires. Yeah, and he knows that they're vampires, and the next scene is um, them tearing into Nazis. <laughs> so, which, you know, One of the moves great. reminds me of um, Mortal Kombat, when you lift up the skull and the spine is still attached. Yep. <laughs> it's a fatality. So, it's gory but not overly gory yes i would agree with that there's a bunch of blood but there's not guts and intestines right yeah it's like the way the style is it's cleaner yeah yeah it's a lot cleaner than you know almost like a pg-13 gore yeah you know there's a little bit of blood but not you know i mean there's there it's a story about vampires it's going to be a little brutal but uh i don't want to give spoilers away and everything but it's uh they're starting to get the um, Nazi scientists who want to defect, they're trying to get them back to America. And stuff happens. So Stuff happens I don't not give away according the, to plan. Yeah, I don't want to give it away, but there was a great scene with the vampires meeting one of the scientists. and It reminded me a lot of Indiana Jones. Somewhat, yes. There's a certain scene that, yep. I'm not going to say which movie, but... Uh, you should read it to check it out. And yeah. you'll, you'll Once you re- see it, you're like, oh, that's the scene. Yeah, it, this was a really good issue. Um, it wasn't... No, it is on my pull list. Uh, I pulled it after issue one, and I'm very glad I did. This is a good series to pick up. I think uh, both issues are still available at all, Alter Ego. Last I saw, we had both on the shelf still. Yep. All right, uh, my honorable mention will be Star Wars Darth Vader number seven, Into the Fire, The Assassin. Um... Vader, we last when we last saw Vader, he was abandoned on Mustafar by the Emperor, uh, Papa Palpatine, and he stripped him of his arms and or his robotic arms and legs. Like, all right, this is how I found you. You had to, I had to rebuild you. This time, you got to rebuild yourself. And rebuild himself? Does he ever? Like, you see him crawling with his one arm, just keep scraping along there, pulling himself out of the proverbial fire and and the emperor will uh told him not to use the force right yes uh he has like you have to do this all on your own like if you can't follow orders you can't do this then fine you have to do this all on your own as the anakin skywalker i found you basically as the mechanic and it really shows his ability to manipulate robotics and he actually rebuilds his arm and legs out of the little mouse mouse droid yeah well, I, like I think how... he reprobed that Ram the Mouse droid, not just used it to go gather parts. Yeah. Because uh, it's the same area where he killed all the Separatists. Right. All the Separatist droids. So there's still parts just lying around. And... It, yeah, it, the droid go does his bidding and... Yeah. 
he starts to rebuild himself. And that's talk about ingenuity, especially it's cool to see the mismatched arm and leg and yeah. like stuff from the different One of parts of the Separatist hands droids. was a, a battle droid that only had the three fingers. Yeah. It's just cool to see Scrappy Vader. And then there is an assassin that is like, all right, uh, I'm here to basically take over your spot as uh, Emperor's number one guy. I don't know about that. It was more because that guy wasn't a Sith. He worked for the Sith. Like, even Vader mentioned that. So I kind of thought he was just an assassin that the Emperor sent to kill Vader. If Vader survived, then he was welcome back in type of thing. That's the way I interpreted it, but I might be wrong on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. For sure on that either. I imagine we'll probably see more about what's going on with that, but... And he's... If nothing else, he's the Emperor's enforcer to not use the Force. Right. Yeah, that's definitely his job there. It ends with a weird being on top of another being on Mustafar. Uh, I don't want to give a whole lot of spoilers, because there's really not much to say other than I don't know what this thing is. Yeah, I've it never just, seen it before. It kind of came out of nowhere. I'm like, wait, weren't they just fighting an assassin? What, what character is this? You well, because they went through a cave... And had, like, weird inscriptions on it, and that's where that is. So, theoretically, it's the native life that was on, or was and is on Mustafar. Yep, and it's a lava planet, and since Vader's now more robotic... He's, he actually was, just walked through yeah. the, the lava, like, eh, stuff will melt, oh yep. well, it doesn't matter. The assassin was up on land, and they were separated by uh, lava, and Vader's like, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to walk towards you. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was, I'm like, that's Vader. Well, and I liked how the assassin, basically Mario jumped off of his head like, yeah. to get to the shore. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it has a nice little bit of humor to it, and within the grimness of it, but yeah, it, Again, all the Vader and Star Wars stuff, like, if you're not reading it, you should be, if you're a fan. It's been really good stuff. Yeah, I think every time an issue of Star Wars or Vader comes out, it's either an honorable honorable mention or a pick of the week for us. Yeah, that seems pretty accurate. Laura, what's up on your list? Um, I actually decided, of what I read, what stuck out the most, other than Spider-Man, um, was Scarenthood. Or at least that's how I'm pronouncing that's, it. Yeah, Number one. It's like Parenthood, but with Scare, so Scarenthood. Yeah, did... One thing I looked up about it did say it was meant to be a bit horror-ish, but it's not super scary yet, but I don't know where it's going. Yeah. Um, it, it could get there. It starts out, it's almost like a little club of single parents is the impression I'm getting. Well, they're they're not really friends at first, but well, then they kind of... They're not really single parents, they're just the parents that are in charge of the child care of pick up and drop off at the school. So there are at least a lot of solo, independent parents. They're not... It's their mm. job to take care of the kids. I guess I got... I admit the one lady had a husband, but he, I thought he was, like, gone a lot. Like, he was yeah. just coming back. Like, to me, that's... If yeah. you're raising the kid by yourself while your husband's away, like, he might like have been at war. Oil, or I thought he was, like, off on an oh, oil rig. Oh, rig. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. At first, I, I was thinking of, like, on a tour of duty or something. But, yeah, he he was away and came back unexpectedly, and that was... A plot point in the thing too um i don't know i it gave me the impression that these parents had most of them had nothing better to do this the main character cormac i get the impression that he at least thinks he has better things to do i'm not 100 percent sure what his job is why it seems to distract him so much they definitely mentioned a few times that he'd be late picking up his child um bethany and he also like he gave her a million different names it started getting confusing to me i'm like I know these are probably pet names, but is he still talking about his child, or what? what is going on? That is way too many of that same name. Yeah. 
No, it wasn't or, even the guess, same name. Or the same person. Way yeah. too many names for the same person. Yeah. And it, it was almost like he was trying too hard to be a good dad or whatever. It's like, oh, if I give you a million pet names, that means I love you. And he just kept getting distracted by whatever he was supposed to be doing for work. And then some of the other parents were like kind of challenging him. Oh, you don't need to get home to work. You need to do this or you should hang out with us. Or it was like a, a peer pressure kind of thing. And one of the parents, let's see, which was Flynn. There's his name. Um, he was mentioning how he felt the school was haunted and they never go in this one room because the statues are always moving and they're in different places and things happen there. And I don't want to give too much of a spoiler, but like a, a personal event happened to Flynn there and you don't find out till later. And then everyone's like, oh, we didn't know that was you, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, there's that, like a local legend that there is something underneath the floorboards of the stage. Like, we don't know what's going on there, but there's something going on there. Yeah, and then they dare Cormac to go check it out if he's so big and doesn't think any of this stuff is real, and they're all just making it up. And I thought that was really an interesting thing that happened after that. Do you think that's spoilers to say? I would say let's just end it there. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't go too I'm far. I'm getting cut off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Drop my mic. But yeah, it was it was interesting. It stuck out. I would, I'm curious to see what happens, so I would read it again. So, Scarret Hood, number one. Go check it out if you're looking for just a little scare. Yeah. All right, Jared, what is your pick of the week? All right. You're going to have to help me out because I don't remember all the names to groups and stuff like that. I'm not but, a group with names either, but I'll do the best I can. Should have brought my um, old note. By our good friend Tom Taylor, Seven Secrets, number four. Um, this began uh, the character uh, Amon, if it's if that's how it's pronounced. That's what uh, I'm going with. He has finally launched an all-out attack against all of the secret keepers and that whole organization. And we there's big reveals, and I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> Everything in this is it's, revealing, yes. huh? it, It's an all-out war with the secret keepers and the secret society trying to... Like, I think they call themselves like the knowledge seekers or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, but uh, they, he has a whole army of... Like ninja-looking dudes, like almost like the Foot Clan from the Turtles, <laughs> and they launch an attack, a simultaneous attack on every single one of their bases of the, of the secret keepers. Yeah, the secret keepers. So the bad guys are attacking every single base of the good guys all at once. Yep. All their base are belong to them. Yep, and there's some big reveals and some good twists because there are they are a secret society of secret keepers and knowledge seekers. They're not going to be easy to take down. They are the masters of each domain, really. Yes. Um, and there is a good reveal at the end that shows that the bad guy, Amon, is just as tactful and thoughtful as the knowledge-based secret, the good guys. Right, and we get to see little more into of the Amon, the main bad guy, his origin story a little yes. bit to see where okay, what's going on with him? Why, why is he after this? Right. Um, and why? How does the secret society know about the other secret society and what's right. going on? Yes, it's it was a great issue. And this takes place immediately after the first the, or the previous issue where they just found where Caspar, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, is the new guardian of the secret. Right. And it's like, hey, congratulations, you have this, and boom, we're all getting attacked by everything. 
Okay. I wondered if I'd missed something there, because that was the last thing I remembered, right. and yeah. I didn't no, get a chance just, to read this it picked one. Up it was immediately <laughs> after, like, <laughs> hey, congratulations, you're the Guardian, and start guarding, start guarding right now. So, so yeah, this work. was a great issue. This has been a great story. This is one we'll probably recommend every every issue that comes out. I mean, at this point, yeah. It's, we should be getting a trade relatively soon also. Yeah, and this is a story that started out great and has gotten better. Yeah, I, if you again, and is Tom Taylor. So if you like anything else he does, which you Deceased. should, uh, he writes great stuff. And yeah, it's. I think every issue has been either honorable mention or pick of the week. Also, yeah. he writes really good dialogue, kind of like Jeff Johns in that matter. His dialogue between characters, it's it's readable. You could hear them saying it, and it's true to the characters. You can, you know, almost see the different dialect between the characters. So. And my pick of the week uh, will be Punchline, number one. Well, number one and only. It's a one-shot. Written by James Tinney in the fourth again. The same guy that wrote all of Joker War. And uh, I think he wrote, or was writing We Only Find Them When They're Dead, and other stuff that came out this week as well. Uh, this is a one-shot. This is not the origin of Punchline. We already got the origin in one of the Batman issues. I forget which one it was. But this is the fallout of Joker War. And it is... She, at the end of Joker War, she has, like, a YouTube video of, hey, you know, don't blame me. I'm I'm just the victim, regardless of all this. He didn't write it, did he? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was Al Ewing, wasn't yep, it? Yep, it was. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, anyway, Punchline's like, hey, I'm not the villain. I'm a victim. I'm... You know, this is how I felt susceptible to all this. She has, like, her own podcast series that she's winning over the crowds over with and everything. And admittedly, for me, it was a bit wordy for a while. I was like, uh, just, like, I get what you're trying to do, but this is taking too long. I have 20 other books to read tonight. Come on. Go yeah. a little faster. But it does pay off pretty well with the future of Punchline and the Joker gang and Batman and some of Batman's allies. I think this is going to be an issue that kind of makes Punchline a mainstay in the DC universe, not like they how they treated Joker's daughter, you yeah. know, because whatever happened, to no her. one cared about her, and quite honestly, she's almost a forgotten character. The way Punchline has been written into the Joker War and this issue itself, this was good. And she's not just a new Harley too. Right. She is, is truly a, her own. Yeah character yep yeah when you called it a one shot i was like i really felt like there was more coming out of this like maybe it's setting up in other issues yeah i said more in batman or detective but yeah definitely like i'm of the new batman female characters this is definitely one of the best that has come out in a while and the relationship between punchline and joker isn't necessarily romantic. Isn't it, really romantic, it, it's, it's but it's like, not abusive like it was with Harley. Right. So far. Right. For me, this is a lot of like master and apprenticeship. Like yeah. it has a lot of like but I'm teaching you how to do this. I and want to say idolization. That she's using the Joker at the same time. Oh yeah, I definitely you think know, she will surpass she's up him. To something. She's not a psychic. She will surpass him. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yep. And I don't think she's going to become an anti-hero like uh, Harley did. I don't think so. You know, no, she's. I think she's straight up bad guy. She is like manipulative the way like the kingpin is in Marvel. Yeah, like, it's very calculated. Like, yeah, I, oh, I'm doing is bad. I don't care, but I'm going to. 
I'll play the victim card where like you feel bad for me and then you'll go to my side and then we'll do more bad. Yep. Yeah, she, this was very this was a good issue. So yeah. I'd like to see where they go with her next. All right, Jared, or Laura, Jared, are you spoke this? So Laura, you get to finish off for picks of the week. Yay! No pressure. Um, I picked Amazing Spider-Man number fifty-two, Last Remains, for my issue because they're finally getting somewhere. Like this was <laughs> a a really good battle scene. Like Spider-Man's been dragging for a while, and it's been just talking about stuff and being upset that his friends are demons and that the Sin Eater is here and his villains are becoming not demons and all this kind of setup. They've been setting up for so long that I was getting bored. They so I up, needed a... They okay. set up Kindred for 50 issues. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, ridiculous. at least. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's because it started when, um, what's his name, stopped writing Spider-Man. Dan Slot stopped. Was when Dan Slot was when these guys started. Nick Spencer. Nick, yeah. yeah. So that was issue one was when they started teasing Kindred. So Jesus. 50 issues teasing this. Yeah. Yeah, I lost track because I kind of, I fell off the bandwagon for a while and have a big chunk in the middle there that I wasn't even reading, but I hopped back in. You didn't miss much. Um, yeah. But, but now I, it's good. I have to read them. It's like Chasing Amazing. Gotta catch <laughs> them all. But yeah, so this was a, a big battle issue. Um, Kindred taunts Spider-Man by digging up a lot of his family and friends who have been deceased. Like I mentioned, Flash Thompson was one of them. Um, he's got Gwen Stacy, Marla Jameson, Gene DeWolf, George Stacy, and Uncle Ben. And when Spider-Man gets to that point and realizes who all is sitting there, like, you know, he sees red. He's like, oh my gosh. And that's when the brawl starts. And when you say digging up there, do you mean like literally, literally digging up their skeletons? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Went to their graves and dug like, up the bodies. They've got oh them set God. up like they're ready for dinner. They're they're all waiting for hmm. Peter when. Yeah, that's he not going to make Peter Parker mad. It kind of reminds me of Death of the Family when Joker had everybody around the dinner table and like oh, paralyzed yeah. them like that. But these are skeletons. Ooh. Yeah, Kindred had a lot of setup, and even I noticed he made some comment about being able to like look yourself in the mirror or something and then all of a sudden they're fighting in a room full of mirrors and crashing through all the glass and stuff and it's like kindred had a speech in mind and some plot points that he wanted to literally hit as he drug spider-man through this i believe they're still fighting in like the astral plane too or something like that it's not actually on earth because when the previous issue when they stole the glove of um the hand of Vishanti. The hand of Vishanti. Like it teleported. I think it was supposed to go to the astral plane. So I I think when like the shattering through the class isn't in the real world, it seems very Mysterio esque like messing with your head sort of thing. I'm not sure, but because I'm well yeah, I guess Kindred could have gotten into the astral realm. I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah it could be because like I guess No, sorry, that's something else. I didn't really worry about exactly where they are, but I do know um, that makes some sense because, oh, that's in the the 52.LR other issue um, is where Doctor Strange and Black Cat and the not-so-demonized... Um, the Spider they, family. The, the Web, the web Order or something. Web They're warriors. not the Warriors. Some of them are, but that's yeah. not... They, they had a special name the other day. I think Web Order or something. Order of the Web. Yeah, Order of the Web. That's what it was. See, there's too many yeah. 
web orders. Um, but yeah, they definitely went into the, the astral plane in that issue. But I didn't know if they were directly trying to find Spider-Man and help him, or if they were trying to find something to help Spider-Man to take back to the real world. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's it, trippy. It's hard. Doctor Strange is there. Yeah. Yeah, if Doctor Strange is there, it's going to be trippy. Yeah. But yeah, I was really interested how, um, it seemed to me this one panel... This is back into the main story of 52. Yeah, I was going to get there. Yeah, I'm trying to tell my story. But in, in Spider-Man's fight in number 52 with Kindred, it actually seemed like he straight up ran his fist through his chest slash heart, like, in a very important area. And Kindred just shrugged it off and did nothing. And I was like, this this is weird. Either Spider-Man missed, or Kindred's way more powerful than you think he ought to be, or I uh, was just thrown off, especially knowing other things we know. Is it spoiler to say who Kindred is when people... Um, let's, let's stave off for another okay. week. Okay, because it was kind of throwing me off since I know, but in this issue, Spider-Man doesn't know yet. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that would change how he's fighting if he knew who he was fighting. Probably. But yeah, and then at the end, uh, Spider-Man says, I want all this to stop. I, I can't handle this anymore. He's in tears because it's Spider-Man. And he, at, that's how they stop the order from being demons anymore. I guess I might be a little spoiler, but you'll find out. I think we already mentioned it. But he's like, I, I would trade my life if you will just fix them. And so Kindred fixes them, and then they're able in... 52.LR to go on and help Doctor Strange and do other things. And I'm curious, on the last page, when you get there, it's like, hmm, what does that really mean? But I guess that makes me wish again, if it's the astral plane, that makes me think there's Either way, hope. It's, it's not good for our friendly neighborhood <laughs> Spider-Man. I guess not. I might have to sit down and read a couple of these. Oh, here you go. Ta-da. <laughs> I'll trade you for Sarah. <laughs> All right, so that those are our picks of the week. So now we'll go to our favorite section, the Who is Your Hero of the Week. Jared forgot. <laughs> and I will go first because I have a good one. Uh, my Hero of the Week is Miles, Spider-Man. Uh, in particular because I just got my PS5 today, and the Miles Morales Spider-Man game is a launch title, and I have it upstairs waiting for me. It's already installed, downloaded, ready to go. And once we get done editing this, you better believe that's what I'll be playing probably for a good portion of the night then. Yeah, sorry, kids, if this issue is extra short, because we're like, we gotta go. Or, well, we're actually running long, but it'll be... <laughs> That's my fault. I will be editing not as severely as I might normally do, because I got stuff to do and things to play. Yeah, luckily when I screwed up earlier, you can just cut out that whole section. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, that, Miles Morales is my hero of the week, be it comic book or otherwise. This time being the video game-wise. All right, Laura, who do you got? My pick, actually, it goes back to Kurt Vonnegut. Um, uh, A funny thing you mentioned, my birthday earlier, I actually share a birthday with Kurt Vonnegut, which is part of why I looked him up. It was one of those... Oops, sorry. Sorry, microphone. Um, Where you see, oh, other famous people born on this day, and you're like, oh, well, who is that? What's more about them? And I found out that he was an author, and so I read some of his books, and it was awesome to me at the time that... It was like reading my mind. <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I just love the way he writes. It's very unique. 
one of the snippets I read later, like his his stories will be three or four sentences, like it'll be chopped up. And people said, I don't know how true it was, that he was writing novels basically like on post-its or like whatever scrap papers he could find. And so the the sections were actually based on how big the scrap of paper he found to write on was. And when he actually typed it all out, that's why it was choppy and weird and interesting. And a lot of his books, each one will have like a little phrase like, so it goes or, nope, that's the only one I remember. Stuff but, like that. But yeah, and... I already mentioned how he was a veteran, so that goes with our other theme. Time travel goes with our last week's theme. And so, yeah, Kurt Vonnegut was my, is my hero for this week. Okay, I'm looking around the room, and I don't see anything <laughs> to give me any... Inspiration. Uh... Oh, here we go. Darth Vader. He's my <laughs> hero for this week. Uh, or villain of the week? Nope, hero. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Because <laughs> he has Be the heart of a champion. Exactly. Um no, it's uh he was ordered not to use the force, so he had to use like he that took away his biggest strength, and he still had to survive and use his knowledge and skills to survive outside of using the force. So we'll go with that. So Vader, Kervonigat, Spider Man. There we go. All right. So thanks for listening, folks. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. I know some of you already reviewed. We'll try to find more later. If we can actually find them on whatever services, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow if you want to support us, follow the link for our website and buy stuff from us, because why not? Tell Mark that we sent you. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. To Spider-Man.